peace to you. Welcome back to The Naked Truth, and thank you for joining me. We're going to pick up where we left off in the book of Isaiah, um, where it's chapter 6. We made it to. You want to read along with me, and let's begin with verse 1. It's talking about when Isaiah was called to be a prophet in the first place, as you can see by the headline in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So when I read this verse, I always think of that scene in that movie Cell with Jennifer Lopez, where she's walking around with her. Um, and uh, if you've ever seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. And it, it sort of pictures like that. Um, but this it does lets us know what time this is, as far as which kingdom was in power at the time, King Uzziah. Um, that's who's mentioned there, and it's talking about when he died. So most likely, um, uh, uh, well, let's just keep reading. That's what's talking about, and that's when. Verse 2, um, one other thing, the vision Isaiah, Isaiah, that's who the book is named for, Isaiah, he's having a vision of God. Um, and I say a vision because he's seeing it, but it, we have to remember that According to what's said in the New Testament, no one has seen God at any time other than Jesus. Jesus is the one who has seen the Father. And Jesus is the only one, up until the time of his ministry anyway, who had even been to heaven. Regardless of what else, what else anyone has said or told us or you want to believe, those are the things Jesus himself has said as we've read. Um, but here, he seems to, he's in his vision, he's seen God. He may, um, so let's just keep reading. And then, and again, I say all that because remember the red letters, the things Jesus Jesus tells us as Christians are our gospel, only that tithe of the entire Bible. These are not red letters. These are not things Jesus said. Verse 2, above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. So, Seraphim are, um, that's oh, another word, believe it or not, another version of that word is um, Sarepta, and another um, version of that word is um, serpent. Um, so it's, and we know serpent is also what the devil is known as. It's talking about what are generally thought of as angels. That's what seraphim are. It's what are believed to be an order of angels, because in that whole theology, there's an order of angels, um, lesser ones, more powerful ones, and so forth. And Jesus never talks about any of that in the Gospels. Um, they are mentioned in um, Revelation, um, where you'll also see some things that are attributed to Jesus, uh, or att words attributed to Jesus. Um, but other than that, the seraphim aren't mentioned at all in the Gospels. And one other thing about this, the only other... Well, one of the other, some of the other preachers out there who do do chapter by chapter and verse by verse readings, for some strange reason, they will lie to their congregation, or I don't know how else to call it, but a lie, what else to call it, but a lie. They'll tell them that angels don't have wings because they'll, they'll pound it into their followers' heads that people are made in the uh, image of the angels because that's their interpretation of Genesis. But this clearly reads that the seraphim had wings. Uh, and this isn't the only place in the Bible. They'll quickly deflect, like politicians do, to um, Ezekiel and the vision of a, what we call the UFO 
to write off that no angels don't have wings, but whatever they said, you can read it right here, clearly angels do have wings. Um, and they're not just to fly, apparently. They're also to cover their feet and also cover their face so that their identity is um, concealed. I guess so that you won't recognize them, but I guess in, in and again, this isn't red letter, this is religion, um, or it's a vision. It's Isaiah's vision. It's not even necessary. It's a vision. He's not asleep. That's what visions are. He's seeing it like you might see it if you had a, a, a funky mushroom or something like that. He's having a vision. He's seeing it. Um, and it is clearly an angel. The angel has wings to fly, but not just to fly, but to cover its face. And so in theology, its face is probably covered so that in my mind, what comes to mind is when people say you can be entertaining angels unaware. And that just means that we have to be right with people. You have to treat people right because you never know who you're actually treating, who you're actually interacting with. You may actually be interacting with the divine. And um, and if you do them wrong, you may reap a divine um, uh, sentence for it. Whereas if you treat them right, you may reap a divine reward. And when I say divine, I don't mean necessarily from God Almighty, but something supernatural, someone supernatural. And um, here, um, that just that's what comes to mind for me. Um, and so that his identity is concealed, and that's what that's about with the angel. Um, and then why is Peter covered? I don't understand that. Maybe he's wearing heels like the Florida governor, the one who I, the fourth one that we were talking about in the previous, uh, no, not that one, uh, the governor. Verse three, and he one cried to one to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So um, in the vision Isaiah seen, um, angels who are flying or at least have wings, are giving praise to God and what they're saying is holy, holy, holy. Um, and I'm just going to check because it's been a moment since I checked. I'm going to see what Lord is being translated from because although we went through what God's name is, I only just scratched the surface because Yehovah, Jehovah, YHWH, Yahweh, all those different variations of the YHVH, YHWH name representation. Um, represent also a, a whole different, at least from my understanding, entity identified as God, known as El, E-L. Then you can also look up, because we didn't even get into that before, but there are some times where that's what the name, uh, what the word Lord is translated to. Um, but you really have to, you'd have to, I'd have to be reading um, every single verse, but checking that to see it because it doesn't happen much i can't imagine there's a way you could search it i'm using the again the blue letter bible.org website to um read this with you um but um and I'm, there is a search function so maybe if you want to search l e l um and i don't know if you have to capitalize it if you have to put the special uh characters on it to for it to show up but it's worth a try if you want in fact let me just check and see while we're um, I'm not using the English. I'm not using the Hebrew version either. I'm using the New King James Version, so I'm guessing um, it won't. So yeah, the only examples are when. Actually, that's a that's a good way to see it. Um, you'll see it if you do a search for L E L um, in the search function box. 
you'll see where the same name El and mentioning to God in a sort of a nod to God is mentioned and included in different people's names, just like the IAH at the end of the name Aya, whether it's Jeremiah or Nehemiah or Nethaniah, uh, whose name happens to also be the Hebrew version of the name of the president of Israel now, Netanyahu. The same name is Nethaniah in the Bible. Um, so, but the uh, I say all that because that's those are names that include what different people over time believe those the Y H D H Y H W H the pronunciation of that name to actually be. It wasn't. Uh, it was intentionally not spoke, written down, only spoken. So when something's only spoken, just like uh, in your when you're a kid and they do that experiment in class when you tell one person something and have them tell the next person all the way down the line. By the time you get to the last person, the same thing, it's not the same as what you were initially told. The message is probably still there and included, but it's incredibly changed and muddled um, and nothing like what it initially, initially was. So in the same way, God's name is the same way with that Y-H-B-H-Y-H-W-H. And then also, that's again, all the other aside from people who are in the Bible also included the L's in their name. Another example would be Joel, uh, the prophet, and he has a book named after him um, where people intentionally included the name of who they believe to be or who they're identifying as, who they're worshiping as God in the name of that person, if they're actual people. And if they're not actual people, if they're someone uh, if they're literary characters only, then it's the writer, the author of its way of including a nod to God in that book or character's name. At least that's how I understand it. So, um, are we really only the first two? Sorry. Um, um, so the, also last thing, the angels, angels didn't have just two wings. Apparently they had a, a bunch of them. Um, verse 4, and the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house is filled with smoke. So in the vision, um, there's a powerful voice, there's a quaking, verse 5. So I said, whoa, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips. For, the eyes of, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So Isaiah um, is saying, feeling doomed is what he's saying. And if you've read with me before, you know I didn't read what he was saying out loud, Matthew 12, 37, um, just as a quick note, um, if you want to read that yourself, what Jesus says about the things we say. Um, so, he, But what he's saying here, Isaiah, in verse 5, is that he's kind of terrified by the vision of what he's seeing. And that he himself recognizes that he's not perfect. He's um, said the wrong thing sometimes. Unclean lips. Verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he'd taken with the tongs from the altar. So clearly the seraphim has wings, and it is flying, and it used two little, some of those wings to fly to um, Isaiah in his vision. And again, he's not asleep. It's a vision. So um, the angel flew to him. So he's having a divine experience. And the angel had a live coal. So that means it was red hot um, in his hand. Uh, in, with, <laughs> he had tongs 
that he had. Um, that's how the angel was carrying the hot coal. Verse 7, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. So again, this isn't red letter. This isn't after Jesus' ministry. This is before Jesus' ministry. Excuse me, I have a cotton milk. It seems, <clears throat> so I say all that because um, by as Christians, we know there's repentance, the recognizing your wrong, apologizing for it, whether it's you, your neighbor, or God, and not doing it again, doing your best not to do it again, and making it right. And that's all That's all included in repentance. You don't always, you don't always get to include all those elements in it, but ideally, those are the elements in my mind of what repentance includes. Um, among other things, but at least those things. Um, but see here, the angel has flown him and gotten um, a hot coal from the altar, and he's touched Isaiah with it and forgiven his sins, is what he's saying, that his iniquity is taken away um, and his sin purged. So um, in this moment, he's forgiven for whatever it is he knows in his heart he's guilty of. Remember, that's why he was saying, well, was he? Verse 8, also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I say, here, here am I, send me. So notice here in the vision he's having, God is not alone. God is speaking uh, with some, at least someone else, and possibly others, plural, um, and asking, and again, this is a red letter, so this isn't Jesus saying this. So take it as, I take it as an article of faith. But, and again, it's a vision of what Isaiah is seeing. And there's more than one way to have a vision. You can have a vision from God. You can have a vision if you drink too much. You can have a vision if you do um, psychedelic drugs. You can have visions lots of different ways. His vision, um, the vision we're reading about Isaiah, is significant because some of his visions, visions have come true. They're documented uh, in the Bible. Not all of them, but some of them have. Many of them attached to Jesus' ministry himself had already have come true and are related to the things Isaiah said. That's why he's considered one of the major prophets in the Bible, not just because it's one of the longer books of the prophets. Um, but as he seems here, God is plead, um, asking those others who are among cohorts, I'll say, among God, I should say, excuse me, um, who should be sent. And Isaiah is volunteering to go, volunteering. Isaiah is saying, I'll be your man. I'll be your preacher. I'll be your voice. I'll go for you. Verse 9, and he said, go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. So it seems God is saying, keep on being hard-headed. Keep on doing what you're doing and ignoring what I'm telling you righteousness is. Go ahead and see where it gets you. Keep on. Verse 10. Oh, one other thing about verse 9. That applies to um, Jesus lets us know during his ministry he used parables because uh, of this same prophecy. There are people who have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. And uh, we see an example of that uh, clear January 6th. Some people clearly saw what happened, and yet um, because people are a certain complexion, in my opinion, they see them as heroes. Whereas other people who 
I believe and I agree with see them as terrorists because would you want that done to you? So that to me ends it right there. If you say yes, you'd want that done to you, then okay, you'd also want to be, um, you probably are someone who would say what happened to George Floyd was okay. So then may both happen to you if that's the case, if you really believe that, if you believe that in your heart of hearts that that's righteous and that's right, then that's what should happen to you if you really believe that. And you'll be happy because it happens to you because that's what you really believe is righteous. I believe, give people what they want. If people say that they don't want help or they think that getting help from the government is welfare uh, only because you're black, but if you're white, we'll call it a subsidy and it's okay. If you really believe that, then you shouldn't be entitled to those things. If you really believe that all, if you really believe that, but the people who aren't, uh, who don't believe that, who are eligible for it should be. To me, it's so plain and simple. Give people what they want. Give people what they say they want. And then once they have what they want, they'll probably change what they say they want because they'll realize what they wanted wasn't actually what was best for them. Um, but um, it seems nine is saying, keep on. Don't keep on being stubborn. Be stiff-necked. Go ahead and be hard-headed. Verse 10, make the heart of his people dull and their ears heavy shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed so um it seems um god is saying rhetorically keep on doing what you're doing keep on being hard-headed and see where it gets you um we know again from what jesus tells us it's like that's why he used parables so that because there are people who even though it's right in front of them they won't see it and not because it's not obvious, but because they refuse to. And so he used parables to break it down so that just in case there's a confusion, any confusion, he gave us parallels that we can understand it and hopefully separate it and do what the will of God is. No concerning doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. Um, verse 11. Um, um, there it is okay then I said Lord how long and he answered until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant the houses are without a man and the land is utterly desolate so man that's rough it seems Isaiah is saying well if it's going to be that bad for him how long are they going to have to go um, through that kind of trouble um, it seems God's answer is uh, until it's raised, until it's completely leveled, until um, it's desolate. Verse 12, the Lord has removed men far away and the forsaken places of many in the midst of the land. So, um, yeah, uh, that's when he's saying, when is it going to be enough? When it's when it's completely level. That's what the prophecy is. Verse 13, but yet a tenth will be in it and will return and be consuming as a terebinth tree or as an oak whose stump remains when it is cut down so the holy seed shall be its stump oh wow so uh, this isn't applying to is this beside uh, this applies specifically to um according to the prophecy the holy seed meaning the uh people of lineage of jesus um, because um, that's the only thing that makes um, uh, any certain people a chosen people, because that's the people chosen for Jesus to 
um, descend from, or um, I shouldn't say descend from, uh, a Pyrian, or yeah, a Pyrian, that would be the word, I guess. Um, that's the only chosen thing about it. Otherwise, people are people um, with everything else in my mind, in my opinion. Uh, but what's being said here is that in the rejection, part of the price uh, to pay will uh, be not only entire destruction for uh, everything being flattened, but also a remnant, that small tenth being left, but not being left over as, oh, cool, you made it, but instead to suffer and um, and only just barely survive as a remaining, uh, I don't know, remnant, I don't know what other word to use, of the people who were once there. That's what the prophecy is of what Isaiah is saying. Um, and that, that's all that's going to be left in verse 13, which happens to be the last verse. So that's where we'll end this reading, but we'll also include our verse of the day. Uh, and that's going to be our second one. And it is come at um, Matthew 11, 28 and 29. That's Matthew 11, 28 and 29. And all of these verses, uh, as we go through them and commit them to our memory, um, are not going to um, be gospel. They're not going to be red letters. Although they'll be specifically with verses, passages that I myself meditate on. Um, and just if you would like, I think I would recommend if you too are looking for something, uh, passages to help with you along the way with your Christian walk. They may be helpful to you. So this one is again, Matthew 11, 28 and 29. It is, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's Matthew 11, 28, 29 and 30. Thank you for reading along with me. I love you. Appreciate you, and I hope to see you next time. Peace be with you.